0: Hello, hello, welcome, and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Today, as usual, I'm joined by my co-host Joe, and we are both delighted to have our good friends Yanni and John with us on the call as well. At the beginning of April, we began conceptualizing this podcast, and then since then, we've gone on to record 49 of these things, and even changed our name along the way too. In that sense, we're like the Andrea Mugu of podcasts. Anyway. This episode, which is being recorded on New Year's Eve, is our 50th pod of the calendar year. And whilst it will be out tomorrow on what will be the first day of 2021, today we're going to be talking all things weird and wonderful about football in 2020. But before we look back on the worst ever year ever, let's hear from the rest of the guys.
1: Joe, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. That that reminded me of the One Direction song, the best song ever. <laughs> but just another way. But yeah, I, I digress. Yeah, um, I'm good, but time for an icebreaker, something that we have been doing for a while now. So, what was everybody's favourite school lunch? Kai, how about we start with you?
0: So, for me, personally, didn't look forward to school lunch much. You guys can all remember that we had to walk quite far to get to the actual dining hall. Um, so that was, like, off the bat, not brilliant. And then the food was as average as you could possibly hope for it to be. Um, so nothing sticks out in particular, but what does stick out is the bread. Um, every now and then they would like re-up the bread, like top it off because people would just be scavenging and just like eating. There was this basket of bread, as you guys can all remember. Um, but yeah, it would kind of get low and then people would crowd around it waiting for the next kind of round of warm bread. Like it was like feeding time at the zoo or something like that. So yeah, a nice crusty piece of white bread <laughs> it is about as much yeah. as I could hope for at Highgate School. Um, but Joe, what did you enjoy back in the day?
1: uh i like the um the kind of full english brunch thing that they did um which yeah was i mean a classic kind of full english i guess in a way but i used, i was very fond of the um hash browns i thought they did a good job on the hash browns um, but yeah, yeah. They, um
0: they took them out of the freezer bag and they they reheated them nicely yeah
1: yeah it was, it was, it was all you could hope for really in a hash brown but um john what about you what, what, what was your favorite school meal back in the day
2: uh do you know what? it has to, it would have to be every friday fish and chips fantastic and then for dessert you always knew it was a d- good day when you got those um it's like rice crisp chocolate rice crispy kind of block oh, yeah <laughs> they were great i loved those i'd always i'd always be cheeky and go up for seconds for those cuz w- ah.
0: would you go for the fish fingers or the the light filleted fried fish
2: no i'll go for the proper the yeah. fried fish the proper sure. stuff yeah That's the, the right big answer. boy stuff
1: yeah, no, you, you've got to really, haven't you? But um, Yoni, can you throw any um, other meals into the mix here?
3: I, I wasn't that fond of the school food either, and I, I, I never really got the sort of um, Friday fish bandwagon. I like I like <laughs> fish and chips, but like that wasn't that like that didn't taste like fish and chips that you get from like actual restaurants or anywhere else. To me, um, there was one dish that I think Kai will remember because I think he. I think we've spoken about this before um but it was it only came out maybe like once every couple of months and it was a chickpea sweet potato and spinach curry that they did um which like to me anyway was just so far above the standards like normal standard of food that they produce it was exactly the same level as like an average ready meal from sainsbury's that you might get um but that was just so far in a way kind of exotic enough to be exciting and also just well made enough to sustain you um and bring you some pleasure just in the middle of the day um but I, I was not a fan generally of the of the school lunches that they provided
0: yeah i do I'll remember that say. one um it was quite sludgy and it tasted a lot better than it looked um yeah uh yeah. Yanni, how about How about we dive on into a game to get this this 2020 episode off to like a real flyer?
3: Sure, let's do it.
0: Um, So
3: we have our regular game. I don't know how many episodes it's been on. Uh, One of you can do the maths on that. Um, But a game of Who Are You, 2020 themed. We're going to be talking about players who have worn the number 20 for either club or country. Now, I have a couple of series, and depending on... um, How quick do you get them? We'll see if we can do both of them. The first one, I want the number 20s in each of the Spain squads in the three tournaments that they won between 2008 and 2012. We'll start with 2012 um, because I think that's the easiest and we'll go backwards in order. Um, The 20 for Spain in Euro 2012 joined the Premier League that summer. Um, That's all I'm going to give you.
1: Oh, he joined okay. in 2012. Was
0: he a starter for Spain or not really? Not really, no. Okay. 2012.
1: He, uh... Oh, no, because at, at first I thought Silva, but he joined before. And then I thought maybe Mata, but I think he joined before.
0: Well, I've so got someone in mind, but...
1: Oh, and is he is he an Arsenal fella?
0: He is an Arsenal fella. Oh, I,
3: I don't have it then.
1: Yeah, I think... Is, I think is it I'm Nacho
2: not...
3: Monreal? It's not natural in one real.
1: I think I've got it, Yoli. All
3: right, Joe, who do you think it is?
1: I think it's Santi Cazorla.
3: It is Santi Cazorla, everyone's favourite Spanish diminutive playmaker. They had a few in the Premier League, as you said at that time, Mata, Silva, and then Cazorla joined. Um, A a nice little group there. Uh, Okay, so going back two years um, in 2010, Cazorla was not in the squad. I think he was injured at the time. Um, This player has made two appearances for the Basque Country. And that's all I'm giving you for this one.
1: Oh, my God. Surely I haven't got this.
3: Well, <laughs> Let's see. Oh, oh, no. Jordy, oh.
1: It's not, it's not Mikel San Jose, is
3: it? It's not Mikel San Jose. Oh, damn, it, damn it. Does this Great guy have League a
0: Premier club. League link? Because San Jose, I think, played for Liverpool forever ago.
3: Um, no Premier League link. He has only ever played for two club sides and is still playing. He's still did, playing.
2: Did he, did he play for Barcelona?
3: No, not Barcelona. No. Okay. Um, oh, God. Is he a defender? But,
0: uh, he can play in defence. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, wait. Oh, no, you said he never played in the Premier League. I was going to say uh, Navas because he can play at wing back. Oh, um, uh, no. Ooh, okay. Although he was in that squad. <sighs> this
3: is quite oh. difficult. Um, the fact that he played for the Basque country might give you... I've got, I've, a got I've got the answer.
0: I've got the answer. Yeah, okay. the fact that he said he plays, he's a defensive midfielder most typically when he started playing for Bilbao and he plays as a centre-back for the Champions of Europe, Bayern Munich. It's got to be oh. Javi Martinez. It is
3: Javi Martinez. Well nice. done by. Yeah. Um, Very good. Okay, back to 2008. We we had just finished year nine, to put that into context. That feels a lot more recent year in 2008. Um, if you get this, I will doff all my caps, the whole collection to you. Um, I'd be amazed. I'm going to give you his entire career. Um, Cadiz, Betis, Atletico Madrid, and Valladolid with a loan at Recreativa Huelva uh,
0: while he was at Betis. Is he a goalkeeper? He's not a goalkeeper. Ah, I was going to say that Adan guy. No. Who I think has played for Atletico <laughs> and Betis, which is some obscure knowledge. You um, welcome Antonio Adan right. for a feature on the pod.
1: Uh, God, is he
3: I, a defender? Um, I I think so. I'm just going to double check that. I
1: God,
3: I, is, I genuinely, God, I genuinely Like he, I think he's he was a bit beyond my personal knowledge, uh, which is not to say that he will be yours. And he was a centre back. And the only international tournament he played at was Euro 2008. I don't think he made an appearance. Ooh. Um, he is exactly six foot. Okay. Um, born on the 23rd of July, 1976. Um, And his, the name by which he is known is like a sort of abbreviation of, or or kind of, what's it called? An affectionate term for his first name. Gosh. Yeah, I can tell you because, I mean. I I think, yeah, you you
1: might have to, (laughs) Yanni.
3: His name is Juanito. Oh goodness gracious!
0: Yeah, no, no, no. Juanito. <laughs> okay.
2: You could we could have made that name up. Just yeah. that's just like yeah. what, like
0: little yeah. little Juan, basically, <laughs> kind of like small yeah. Juan. Yeah, although exactly. he was six foot tall, as Yanni told us, so he wasn't that six little. Foot tall. No, his
3: full name um, is uh, Juan Gutierrez Moreno, uh, <laughs> and now he's got a mention on the podcast. Okay, well, if we have time for one more, then yeah, yeah. I've got another themed one. So we're getting to the end of 2020, as you all know. Um, so I want the number 20s from the teams in 20th place from this season, 2020-21, 2010-2011, um, and 2000-2001. So that's number 20s from the teams that finished in 20th place and the team that is currently in 20th place now in the Premier League. Okay. Um, In those squads. So now, who is Sheffield United? So I'm looking for their number 20. Uh, Um, I will give you a clue. He has joined this year, this summer, and scored coming on on his debut.
1: Oh, him. Jaden Bogle.
3: It is Jaden Bogle. I (laughs) was
2: going to say Rian Brewster.
3: He hasn't scored for him yet. He hasn't. He he hasn't.
1: Bogle replaced
3: Rian Brewster. In that game against Brighton, I think. Um, wow. which okay, is and you said
0: right back. Um, yeah, he is a right back. Um, you said 2010-2011 the twentieth yeah. place team.
3: If any of you can remember that, if not, I will tell you the team.
2: Oh. Oh, is it Black? Was Black? Was it Blackpool? 20th?
3: No, they got relegated, but not in twentieth place. Um, oh. This was the second year in a row that this manager had been relegated with the team that he managed.
1: Oh no, I was going to say Owen Coyle, but no. Probably not. Um, West Ham. It. Did they get relegated? It's
0: West Ham. West Ham. Okay. Number twenty for West Ham. Um, In- James to- Collins. No, not James Aww.
3: Collins. Uh Colton Cole. Not Colton Cole. Um, he was not a striker.
1: Oh, is not a striker. Is it Winston Reed?
3: No, it's not Winston. Ah, oh, damn it. Um, he could play as a midfielder and sometimes in defense also
2: <laughs> Ballon Berami we'll see that. Uh
3: he I believe was there but this is not him this, this is you're, 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 you're there though you're there with a kind of era that group of players
1: uh, <sighs> is he quite well known this guy
3: Yes, but probably more well known because of something that happened to him in his career than because of anything he
0: actually did playing. Kieran Dyer? No, it's not Kieran Dyer. Oh, you said he was a defensive player uh, or a midfielder. Um,
2: uh, what ma- can we know what nationality
3: he was? Uh, he was French.
0: Oh. Julian Faubert. He played for Real Madrid. Uh, and Julian I think program. at one point might have been the captain of the French under 21 side <laughs> or something like that. And then his career. I mean, he did play for Real Madrid, but yeah, it didn't think, really pan he, out Didn't
2: the... he famously fall asleep? He fell asleep yeah, he on, sure. the on the bench. bench I think got a fine or something yeah. like that.
0: I wonder what he's up to these days. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> we could Google it, but I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> um, no, I'm not sure. I'll,
3: I'll find out as we go through the next one. Um, so the next season is 2000, 2001. I mean, we were very young then, but you might know who was relegated that season. I had to look it up. Coventry? Um, They didn't finish 20th. Wolves? Not Wolves. Leicester? Uh, No, this was a team that I think have only ever spent two seasons in the Premier League. Oh, Bradford. Bradford City. Bradford City. Um, And their number 20 was a striker. Stan Colleyboy. Team
2: Winder. Oh.
3: Neither of those. Benito Carbone. Wow, that's a yeah. Joe's got it. God, Benito Carbone, <laughs> what a shout! I um, think we just,
2: yeah. I think we just named all the players that we know. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> know any other. Yeah, we don't know anyone players. else.
3: <laughs> yeah, Benito Carbone played for five different English teams um, and came back in. Leeds' experimental period um really? as a lead consultant in twenty fourteen. What which like Le- most of a lead their... leads consultant. <laughs> a lead leads consultant, yeah, that's right. Um and like most of their decisions at the time didn't didn't really work out. Um but yeah, you've got you've got all of those, all of those pretty quickly as well, um, which makes up for the gap
1: in your knowledge yeah, about yeah. Juanito, from, the Spanish. From defender. Juanito to Benito. Oh yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Cool. Okay. well, let's move on with the show. And as we and many others have mentioned many times before, 2020 has been a weird year. From a football perspective, it's led to some pretty weird and wonderful moments, though. So what better time than on New Year's Eve than to look for it all? So first up, I want to talk about probably the most obvious, but still really weird thing to happen in football in 2020 and that is matches being played in empty stadiums um it's clearly got to a point now where this has been happening for a few months so we're all pretty used to the um the empty stadium setup the biggest sort of dilemma for most people that have sky is do i listen with fake crowd noise or without fake crowd noise that seems to be a bit of a theme now but guys what what are your thoughts on no crowds and Are there any positives that we can draw out of this weird situation we're all in? In regards to that.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll jump in, I guess. Like, as far as the no crowds, I think that, yeah, when you mentioned the alternative commentaries available, that's been kind of fun. It's quite awkward when, like, they haven't really, like, I mean, they've done it for a few months now, but they still haven't figured out the, like, what should we play when a shot, like, narrowly misses. (laughs) I feel like that's just never, they've never been able to get that so far. Um, it'll be like a quite average shot that like the keeper sees wide comfortably and then they'll like, yeah, like play it as if like it's hit the bar or something like that. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, yeah, yeah, I think we've mentioned it before on the pod. It's been quite funny to kind of like hear players just swearing and coaches just like yelling from the sidelines and whatnot. Um, If anything, there's just been more football that's been televised.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, having all the football on TV is great and it's the best we can do at this, you know, current time. So thankful for that. But, you know, obviously be great to, you know, every fan loves to go to the stadium. It's the whole experience. It's not just, you know, the 90 minutes. It's like seeing all your mates and stuff like that and going to the pub before and after and, you know, just chatting a load of rubbish about football, really, which is what we're currently doing now. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, that's what you miss. And I think one positive is it reinforces the fact of how important fans are for football. Which I think is sometimes uh, lost, particularly in the modern game. So, yeah, I think that's a good positive to take.
1: Yeah, that yeah. is. It's a very good positive. Yanni, do you do you concur, or do you have any other <laughs> insightful points to add to this matter?
3: No, I do concur, and and John's made me think that maybe maybe this whole thing is just filling a void. This whole podcast is just <laughs> filling a void of. <laughs> not being able to go to games and talk football with people. Um, no, I, I mean, obviously it's nicer to watch uh, games with fans there, even on TV as a spectator on TV, it's nicer to watch. And I was, for the sort of couple of weeks we had that, it was really nice. Um, even in the Spurs Arsenal game, which was horrible for every other reason, sort of having fans there did make me feel a little more connected to what was happening. Um but something I have enjoyed, which um, hopefully when things get a bit more normal, we won't have to endure again. Um, but I have enjoyed being able to hear players and managers shout and often swear at each other. And then commentators kind of reeling and apologizing for <laughs> any language that may have offended you. Um, I th- that was an example the other week, I think in the Wolves Arsenal game where uh, a holding called a uh, a brick shit house, which just like a lovely piece of swearing that it would just go unnoticed or unheard if the, if, if the same was full, um, and things like that just kind of enrich the experience of, of watching what otherwise is, might be quite a hollow um, hollow feeling spectacle, um, because there's there's no or, or, or less human uh, engagement there.
0: It's probably for the best that football comes back soon, so that people can stop doing all of these cringeworthy <laughs> social media things where they just gather and clap together and just sit in a stadium instead <laughs> and
2: abuse people. But that my, my yeah. favorite highlight was. Um, do you remember it was it was uh, Liverpool Chelsea and it was at Anfield and Jurgen Klopp and Frank Lampard were on the touchline having a. It was absolutely brilliant just to hear that because you never ever hear. Um, stuff like that and get access to what they're saying really and it's just hilarious to see Jurgen Klopp like almost acting like a fan like oh sit down yeah whatever you know
0: yeah Yanni did anything stand out for you and uh, my dog is making a lot of noise and oh oh, oh,
2: that was, <laughs> that
0: was genuinely like quite a dramatic um, fall from my dog off of my coffee table and he did we knock down it. some things as well he's fine uh, yeah anyway on to to Yanni uh
3: well I, I mean this takes us back a while because this was before football came back but just the amount of um the amount of nostalgic content that various uh you know clubs and broadcasters were putting out and also like the thirst for it um was a was a bit weird and not not in a bad way at all kind of a a nice um quaint reassuring way but just how much um first of all how much content exists and how um much people were just keen for anything football related to happen in the bit where there wasn't any football um was a bit weird to me uh because like i and i speak as one of those people who was watching kind of entire FA Cup finals from 15 years ago and just reliving those moments just because there was nothing else going on. Um, And that sort of, uh, that was something that I didn't necessarily expect would happen um, to me or more generally. I don't know if you kind of engaged in that uh, or, or, or watched any whole matches yeah. back or anything like that.
1: Johnny, I literally engaged in that this morning. There's like the one <laughs> day when there's not been Premier League, and I found myself watching endless highlights of old firm games from about three seasons ago. I was watching. I was watching what's he called? Odson Edward just bang the goal. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've um, I've definitely enjoyed this um, nostalgic trip we've all been going down. I know that the, the Premier League years has always been a a bit of a favourite if you were ill from school or just in the daytime tv it's always good to whack that on but yeah no <laughs> it has been quite fun um, going into the vaults of the past either on the club social channels or just on good old youtube and just just watching really random games from the past now I've, I've, I've quite enjoyed it actually to be fair
2: yeah, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed Gary Neville's um, soccer box, which I think we discussed with um, the Blue Man. Oh, what's his name? Anthony Costa. <laughs> yeah, we
1: did. It we was definitely a highlight year. of my year. I was, I was like, I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> blue
3: man. I was like, is that a Chelsea fan that you spoke to? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, that was great. I, I absolutely loved all the content that was being churned out to it. And if anything, I think I've watched even more football. Because now I'll just be like, do you know, back in it I'll be like, oh, Burnley, Sheffield United, oh, I'm not going to watch that. Now, I'm like eagerly <laughs> just sitting there like, what's going to happen? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what's Sean Dyche going to do now? It's like, it's like that um, David Mitchell and Webb sketch.
1: Yeah, more like fo- football. Fo- football. Football.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. The other day I was doing a, for the podcast, we recorded a match recap of the, what, West Brom versus Liverpool game. And without this podcast and without, the coronavirus and whatnot, I wouldn't really have had much of a reason to watch Liverpool play West Brom at home. And I definitely wouldn't have had much of a reason to kind of like sit there and analyze it and like take note of what the 22 players on the pitch were doing. And I did you know, it was enjoyable, you know, like I said, I'm obviously what Yanni, John and I are Arsenal fans, Joe, you're a massive Spurs fan for the most part, as you know, John mentioned, he's like, you know, finding himself watching more football than usual. We typically kind of tend to stick to our own stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of taking me back to my childhood in that way. Back then when I was a kid, I really wasn't fussed. I would watch, like, the Segunda Division in uh, Spanish football, like if it was on Sky Sports. I remember watching the – I think Liverpool once made it to, like, a back when it was, like, the UEFA Cup, played Alaves in, like, a final. Oh, yeah. And I ate that up. I just ate that up when I was a kid. <laughs> like, didn't know a single player on Alaves. Probably didn't know much of the Liverpool team either. But yeah, I guess I'm, I'm sort of almost fallen back into that state. Not quite. Because at the end of the day, we do have better things to be doing than watching some of these teams play. Um, what was it when it all stopped? The last week league was it? The Belarusian league didn't stop for like a few uh, weeks after that, and everyone was like, "I may have watched a bit of
1: Belarusian." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see,
0: I didn't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like tar Joe with any brush but I, I didn't feel
1: the need to kind of watch okay. that football <laughs> but, there, may have, um... <laughs> you know, there may have been some money um on the table which incentivized me but yeah, yeah. I, I did in that dark moment when the only football around was Belarusian football I may have watched a a Dynamo mince game or whatever it was <laughs>
2: well do you remember when football came back like and it was the Bundesliga wasn't it that was mm-hmm. the first league back and I remember watching a few games yeah. and I was like Oh, God, I can't wait for the Premier League to come back. <laughs> I'm fed up. As soon as the Prem's back, I haven't seen a Bundesliga game.
1: Yeah, I'm I got God. really into it for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But like you guys said, we don't really need to bother with that anymore because the Premier League is back. Um, for me, speaking about the Premier League in terms of 2020, some stuff that um, stood out was the Amazon All or Nothing documentary about Tottenham. Um because it was just, it just confirmed that on the surface, whilst you might think that you want someone to make that about your club, it made me realize that I am very glad that they didn't make it about Arsenal. Because <laughs> I don't know what Joe thinks of it and what other Spurs fans think of it, but it was a bit cringy. It was good entertainment. Um, but yeah, you know, like, what is was it, Deli Alley in the physio room talking about whether you wet the toothbrush first and then put on toothpaste and then wet it again. Or like fighting with people about whether or not bounty is a good chocolate um it's not the most highbrow uh, and I'm not saying that it's because it was at Tottenham although I am saying that a bit but um uh, <laughs> at the end of the day I think um these types of shows are a bit a bit odd and yeah whoever they would have made it about it would have been bizarre and it was and you know having Mourinho in the mix only made it even more bizarre and his kind of like turn to become a social media influencer in 2020 is another (laughs) strange thing i would put that up there with i don't know if you guys have seen robert Lewandowski's dance moves on tiktok like thank god that guy is a brilliant brilliant footballer because he's not a good dancer um yeah people just taking to social media in the midst of the coronavirus you know the whole like um toilet paper challenge doing the kick-ups with that there's been all these other kind of like little things that have um Festered into football social media, so that's been quite fun. Um, nice distraction from yeah, when things were a little bit more rough with the coronavirus, but yeah,
3: there was that time that everyone was so impressed with Trent Alexander Arnold kicking a football into his garden chair. Like,
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, I remember was, that like, professional oh, footballer, yeah. and then yeah. Harry
1: Winks harry winks kicked like a tea bag into his. I wonder how many takes he had to do. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I actually tried that, I tried it once, and I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was that immediately
0: they, when they were doing all those things i remember carragher i think did the toilet paper one as well and um i just remember i don't know if you guys have seen that but just like his house it was, it was like it like looked like he lived in like an edwardian mansion he had like the chandelier <laughs> and, like marble floors it was super bizarre yeah.
1: that's actually yeah. you're onto to something good there what has been quite funny in this period is obviously when people like us are on zoom or whatever just like seeing footballers houses like do you remember when I don't know if you saw it Kai like when Gary Lineker Ian Wright and Shearer were doing match of the day just from their houses like I don't don't know if I saw those Lineker just it just looked really boring and weird (laughs) Ian Wright's had a bit more character Shearer's I can't really remember but it was just weird suddenly thinking about these things that we never would have done without Lineker
0: didn't have just like a bunch of packets of crisps (laughs)
1: Lucas
2: like um, <laughs> be- missed, a, missed a trick with that.
0: Yeah, yeah they should have gotten some from advertising. In. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the whole, um, like you said, the Zoom situation, we're all very familiar with it. But yeah, some people who would have been more used to being in studios had to kind of figure out the Zoom setup. And there was that funny part with um, the bookshelves. I can't remember if it was Martin Tyler, kind of went through his bookshelf and was like, I, didn't, I haven't actually read any of these books, but they make me look smart. So I put them back there. I think Danny Higginbotton does work for ESPN. And um, somebody called him out on, like, a guitar that he has that he doesn't know how to play, that he just has as, like, a decorative piece. Um, But, yeah, um, apart from the scarves and whatnot, I'm not compensating too hard, I don't think, as far as (laughs) trying to show off that I'm a smart person or anything, because that wouldn't work out if I tried. Um, But moving on to more of 2020, and I think we have some kind of awards that we're going to give out. Um, Yeah, essentially, um, we're going to take a look back at some of our respective top top picks and moments of 2020. Uh, We'll see if any of them match up. So there's 10 categories. Uh, We're going to take turns naming our winners in each one before we move on to the next one. So the first category is player of the year and all-star. So for me, obviously, what was it? Lewandowski got the award. But in my opinion, this has been the year of Zlatan. What year hasn't been the year of Zlatan? But considering that he's almost 40, kind of went to America, did his thing, was king over there and then has like now come back to Milan, um, has an insane goal scoring record at Milan and uh, currently is helping them to the top of, uh, Serie A. So player of the year, 2020 is Latin. Yanni, who was yours?
3: Um, so I did go for Lewandowski, um, a man you just mentioned, I mentioned before for his, his dancing skills. Um, that's only part of the reason why I chose him. Um, I mean, obviously Bayern won everything that they could have won and he was an integral part of that. But this also felt like the year, uh, and it may be because, you know, Messi and Ronaldo both had, by their standards, slightly quieter years um, as they get towards the end of their careers. This felt like the year that people fully acknowledged his greatness, when really at any point over the last 10 years, that should have been acknowledged. Um, but this felt like the time that more widely anyway uh, beyond bayern and beyond the uh the bundesliga uh, that football fans thought okay this is truly one of if not the greatest striker of this generation um and and yeah he he's he's just a complete footballer um i think uh <laughs> So that's, here's to uh, Robert. If you're watching and listening, thank God that Volcano exploded because otherwise your career could have been very, very different. <laughs>
0: yeah, you'd be, you'd playing, be playing for Blackburn Pan. Rovers in the championship. <laughs> 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 Just like Robin yeah. Lewandowski, like, what was it? Jordan Rhodes was probably like someone they picked up after they... It's like how far, how <laughs> you couldn't no pick, like, to, not? no offense North to York. Jordan. But, they could um... have been the best front duo ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would have been prolific. <laughs> um uh well, let's see what well, next uh, joe uh your, your player of the year
1: I'll, I'll try and get some more exciting answers in there a bit later on but i'm i'm going with yoni as well with um lewandowski i every time i saw him play this well this calendar year he's just absolutely insane he, he's like he's like the sort of the terminator or something he just he puts away more or less every chance he gets and um yeah, I I, I try to think of it outside the box. I think Zlatan's a great one, actually, but no, I couldn't I couldn't look beyond Robert on this occasion. John, are you a, a fan of the poll?
2: Of course, I'm a fan of the poll. I mean, Robert Lewandowski, what a player he's he's fantastic. But for me, I'm going to go for the For me, the Sportsman of the Year, uh, Marcus Rashford, uh, because he's been like on the pitch he's matured so well and he's only 23 and he's he's absolutely brilliant he's got like what 15 got no eight goals or something in about 15 appearances and the work he's doing off the pitch is just inspirational and you know as well as inspiring um normal people like us normos um hopefully he's inspired other you know footballers who you know they're well remunerated and to do more charitable work and to, you know, try and, you know, just to try and get out there and make a difference, which seems impossible, but, you know, when you put hard work into it and put pressure, you know, I think he's done so well. So, yeah.
0: Think back to probably when we were young kids, would have been someone like David Beckham was kind of the guy to look up to. And I think, I hope that, yeah, young kids these days do look up to Marcus Rashford in a similar way. But if anything, there's more kind of substance there again, no slight on David Beckham, but just in terms of the, um, that Rashford's do. Yeah. Sorry, David, Um, but just, yeah, in in terms of the, the causes that, uh, Marcus is, is fighting for. Um, yeah, what a guy. And I could, I couldn't really argue with that decision, but moving on to the second category, um, was for flop of the year. And I did give you guys the option for a team or a player as a flop. Um, and I got, I'm gonna, I have one definitive answer. I had, I sort of got down to three. Um, and that those three were Kepa, Danny Rose, and just Barcelona as a club. But I'm gonna stick with Kepa because he's the most expensive goalkeeper in history. And he's back up at Chelsea by the end of 2020. And I think you probably couldn't find a Chelsea fan that doesn't have awful things to say about Kepa. So. Kepa is my flop of the year. How's about for you, Yanni?
3: Um, well, I'm, I've am i gone with the team, and this might be slightly harsh because it's it's not really reflective of their whole year, although I would say it's reflective of their years since lockdown, um, and that's Sheffield United. Um, obviously, as we've said before, they're bottom of the table with two points on course to achieve the lowest all-time points record as it stands. I, I personally doubt that will happen, but it might. Um, but just given how promising their season was last year and how refreshing it was to see a, a British manager coach a very progressive style of football with innovation and excitement um, and that not be able to continue through and and not only not continue but completely fall off a cliff um, as it has done is really disappointing um, and again. I think they are probably the team most reflective of 2020 in a way because they were a team who, and we didn't know to what extent, but it seemed really buoyed by their home support and their crowd. And since that's been taken away from them, they've just shown a complete like lack in form and maybe it's a more accurate reflection of the quality of the squad. Um, but it's, it's kind of sad for all the reasons the year's been a bit sad. Um, and so that's my flop of the year. Um, even though I don't completely blame them.
0: Yeah, that's I haven't thought about it in depth like that, but it is quite sad just for the city, I suppose, that from the sounds of things, potentially that Bramall Lane support was going quite a distance to helping them achieve safety in the Premier League last season. And now not only can the fans not be there to support their team, but by the time they can, they might, well, inevitably from the looks of things, won't be a Premier League team anymore. So hopefully the passionate Sheffield steel City um, fans can kind of help them back up to the Premier League eventually. Because, yeah, Chris Wilder was a bit of a revelation last year. Um, on to Joe. Flop of the year.
1: Flop of the year, yeah. I like Kepper and Sheffield United, um, especially Kepper. I think it's karma for when he refused to go off as a sub in that <laughs> final. So, yeah, screw you, Kepper. But anyway, um, <laughs> I after saying I didn't care about the Bundesliga, I've gone for an, uh, another Bundesliga answer. So I've gone for Schalke as um, flop of the year. Um, they have, I don't know the exact stats, but they've had such an awful calendar year. Um, they're they on to their fourth manager of this season right now. Ironically, it's Christian Gross, a guy that managed Tottenham in the 90s back when we were absolutely awful, <laughs> um, which is kind of weird in itself that he's just been appointed as their manager. But um, I choose them just because Schalke, they're a German team with such an illustrious history. You kind of always think of Schalke as being there and thereabouts and they're, they're kind of top four in the Bundesliga but they've just been absolutely awful and I think given they are seen as a good team and they've done that badly, I, I had to choose them.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, and to make matters worse, they've just signed Sead Kolasinac on loan for the rest of the season <laughs> and made him captain, I think. Is so, that true?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's gone. Captain
3: Booms. Booms. Oh, wow. And, and the rumours were that he's going to be made captain. Like, I mean, he has a lot of personal connection and affection for the club and they God, I don't yeah. want to leave them out of this hole. But yeah. I'm not sure if that person <laughs> that, is
1: enough of a reason to give them flop of the year, given the form he's been on recently. He's <laughs> a
0: yeah, yeah. great
2: bodyguard. I'll
0: give yeah, him that. Yeah, up. that's true. And then we all know, of course, what was it? Yanni, I think, educated us as uh, their mascot is just some guy. Oh, <laughs> oh I did. We can't remember his, his name, but we don't have to <laughs> it, But yeah, <laughs> essentially, <laughs> mascot is just some some dude, just some dude. Um, what next? I, I guess that. Joe. No, that, you've gone. Uh, let's go for John oh. flop of the year.
2: Flopper of the year for me uh, would be Mr. Meza Erzl. I think yeah. he's been... I mean, we can talk about it. As Arsenal fans, we can talk about this issue for years and years and years. I, the way he's conducted himself in terms of... For, for me, it, cheap PR. Cheap PR stunts. Cheap statements. Um... I I can't wait for that contract to run out and we can just move on as a club. So, yeah, for me, Meza Ozil.
0: Yeah, yeah. I won't even try to sum that up because, like you said, we could go on for for years on the the Ozil one. Um, Moving on to team of the year. Um, There's been a few, but for me, just because essentially they've never really been in the conversation until maybe 2019 because that would have been the beginning of their first Champions League campaign, but they've kept it taking over into 2020. And that's Atalanta. Ooh. Yeah, I bet you guys Ooh. weren't expecting that. Um, <laughs> they've got a bunch of good players, like, what is it? Joseph Illichich, Papu, Gomez. Um, it's Darun.
2: Darun as well.
0: What's that? Yeah, he is. had yeah, Darun. Yes, yes. ex Middlesbrough player, Martin Darun. <laughs> Thank you, John. Um, <laughs> yeah, they've got a brilliant team. They even sold, what was it? Timothy Castagna to Leicester, who's been injured for a bit. Um, but, and they've, you know, been able to kind of like sell an asset and continue on a decent path. So, um, yeah, Atalanta for me, because supposedly they play brilliant football as well. I think, is it Gasparini is the name of their manager or something like that? They've, um, they're again, a bit of a revelation as far as Serie A. Um, what about you, Yanni? Mine is also Atalanta. Oh, um, that's, I, I regret saying that. I bet you guys weren't expecting it.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I wasn't
3: expecting it, but I thought think the same thing. Because, well, yeah, I, I was trying to think of, uh, I mean, there are teams that have you know won things this year and any one of them are worthy winners. Um, but for the reasons you said, I, the only thing I have to add is that they come from Bergamo and that was a city that was really heavily impacted by COVID very early on in the year. Um, And so their rise through the Champions League last season and they're in the knockout stages this season as well, um, from a very small city as well, um, is just in its own way kind of miraculous. Um, And so uh, that was the only other reason beyond the things that you already said, Kai, that they kind of were in the reckoning for me.
0: Yeah, well, let's see, because if the other two guys pick different teams, then Atalanta is going to be the majority vote. So, Joe. Who was your flop? Sorry, who was your, I should say, team of 2020? The opposite. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll take your Atalanta and hipstify it even further and go <laughs> for um, the Norwegian champions, Bodo Glimpt. So,
2: what? hear me out.
1: Hear, hear me out on on this. So, on I'm not saying they're the best team of quality, but Glimpt, <laughs> it's the first year they've ever won Norway's elite Syrien. Um, they're also, for anyone that um, likes a cheeky battle two, they scored a lot of goals this year. Honestly, they were, they were like a, a cash cow, <laughs> is what I'd say. But, but that's not what I've chosen. They, they played amazing attacking football. And basically, I don't know if they're quite a Leicester, but it was a shock that they won the league. They also um, they sold a player to AC Milan, um, who scored against them in the Europa League qualifiers, called Jens Petter Haag. And obviously Haaland is Norway's star, but this hard guy seems fantastic. And he's already established himself as one of um, AC Milan's best players. And even better than this, um, they have a player called Filip Zinkernagel, who um, apparently was the player of the year in Norway. And he's about to sign for Watford and he's, he's a Danish winger. Um, but they're just, um, from what I can see, they're just an incredibly attacking team that just kind of took the piss out of the norwegian league this year and won it by a, a country mile and i thought i have to go a bit history on one answer so bodo glimt you're my team of the year bodo bodo glimt. That,
2: wow, i mean like right? i mean that i mean you're, that seems sounds <laughs> like a football manager regen to yeah. Be
3: honest.
2: yeah or just like a lord of the rings character or something <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah a hobbit yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Mine mine would be, uh, they've got a lot of praise this year Um, It's going to be Leeds United Just for the, you know, obviously As we discussed, we sat down and watched a lot of A a lot of random Premier League games And and championship games and stuff like that And Leeds, whenever I've sat down to watch Leeds They've always been entertaining uh, Whether they concede like six goals Something ridiculous like that, or they score six goals, and it's just been fantastic to watch. So it must be very exciting to be a Leeds fan. So yeah, Leeds
0: United. Moving on to goal of the year, I'm just going to yeah, short and sweet. Aubameyang against Chelsea in the FA Cup final, Um, and it was all downhill from there for Aubameyang. But it was a great goal, (laughs) Uh,
3: Yanni. No, it it was a great goal. I was also tempted. I mean, that's something with you know probably one of my favourite days of the year, just I'm I, like anyway, but especially this year was just the FA Cup final day. Um, it was lovely weather. We won. Um, and yeah, there's not much more to it than that. Uh, goal of the year, I was just trying to remember everything that's happened. Um, and I was sort of choosing, like, do I choose like a really good goal or a really like shitty goal that, um, you know, is kind of more, uh, better encapsulates this year. Uh, I've gone with Wilfred Zaha against Chelsea towards the end of last season. I think Chelsea won the game maybe 3-2 or something. Um, But Zaha just scored an absolute belter. And it might not even be, like, aesthetically the best goal of the year or whatever. Um, But to me, it stuck out just because it was, like, someone who is fed up that he has to play with the shit around him absolutely belting the ball into the net from about 25 30 yards and being like like just take that that's it that's it um so and that just stuck with me for some reason in the sort of post lockdown uh, or or during lockdown premier league season that resumed last season um that's our whole goal was just someone who was fed up with life and
0: that's probably how i felt at the time which is why it resonated (laughs) Yeah, a lovely gesture from Zaha to, to the rest of us out there who could probably yeah, empathise, I suppose. Um, and he, he tends to score more memorable goals, Zaha. But yeah, I, I I think, like you said, he kind of just thumped the shit out of it, essentially. Um, Joe, what what was your goal of the year?
1: Yeah, well, I had to choose one that all of you guys would love. So I've gone for um, Son's goal against Arsenal, where he smacked it in from <laughs> quite yeah. a far distance. And I it was a, in a long line of recent bangers against Arsenal for Spurs and... It was nice to know that moment, probably, given Arsenal were on bad form. It was probably a collective groan from all Arsenal fans around the world and big cheers from the Spurs fans. So, yeah, can't look beyond that, really.
0: That's uh, fair enough. I guess before I yeah. pass it off to John, I do want to say that I was going to pick Cristiano Ronaldo's header for Juventus uh, when it happened in December of 2019. Sad. Uh. Otherwise, 100%, that would have been one of the best goals and most different unique goals that I've seen in years. But John, moving on to you, your goal of 2020.
2: Goal of 2020, it was like right at the start and it was uh, the last away game I went to before uh, the pandemic and lockdown, etc. And it was Martinelli uh, driving pretty much the whole pitch uh, to score, to equalize against Chelsea. And that was just a fantastic moment because I remember going crazy. And looking back, who took the corner led <laughs> to the goal? None other than current Arsenal winger oh, Willia. Mister William Will I Am. So yeah, that was a great goal, great memories to that. So
0: yeah, yeah, we all remember Kante flopping, Martinelli yeah. driving on. It just had everything, think, didn't it? Yeah, it was a it was a good one. The celebration, him and Lacazette standing there folding their arms, and the
3: guy in the crowd who folded his arms and yeah. yeah. <laughs> <guy? I didn't laughs> just make...
0: copy him. Well, I was going to say as well that. Um, uh, I think that coincided around the time that that social media trend of um, people opening a door and then cutting to footage of like a stadium. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Like yeah, they do yeah. it with
0: like the, the Aguero. Anyway, <laughs> but like he definitely did that with like the Martinelli one as well. I remember seeing that. Favorite game of the year for me personally was uh, Champions League Bayern Munich versus Barcelona. Just seeing, you know, you know, you typically, oh, I've never seen Barcelona get destroyed like that. And I think in particular, Afonso Davies was a, was a joy to watch that day. Um, what about for, for you, Yoni? Uh,
3: mine was the first game of the season or in the first weekend of the Premier League season, Liverpool 4, Leeds 3. Um, it just was absolutely chaotic. Players who you don't expect to make mistakes, making mistakes. Um, and I think was c- kind of should have warned us about the chaos that was to come in the Premier League this season. Um, really enjoyed it. Obviously, Bielsa against Klopp as well. Uh, people didn't know how that was going to, Um, roll out but it was very very entertaining and lived up to expectations
0: yeah I was a fan of uh, clicks however you say his name goal
1: that day really really sweet strike Um, Joe game of the year Um, it was Tottenham 2 Man City 0 not the one when Bergwijn scored which I was at which was fun but the more recent one purely because probably not very cleverly. It was the day I was like, oh wait, maybe we actually can win the league because we played brilliantly and it was like a Jose masterclass for a cliche. But um yeah, I just that that gave me a lot of hope, which has probably been dashed more recently. But yeah, that that, that was my choice. A
0: bit jealous that you had to choose between two different two nil victories over Man City. Um but anyway, uh John, your game of the year.
2: Um my
0: game of the year would definitely have
2: to it would have to be the Chelsea FA Cup final win because It was just great. It was just great (laughs) winning a trophy. Uh, Another year, another trophy, and uh, Spurs end the year with uh, nothing again. So, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think probably (laughs) Yanni and I will will agree with that to an extent as far as a brilliant day. Um, Moving on to Manager of the Year. Got to give it to Dean Smith. I can't really remember anybody doing what he's done since essentially Leicester won the Premier League in terms of surviving relegation and then being a force the following season Um, Aston Villa stayed up by the skin of their teeth last year honestly if Arsenal hadn't just been shit at Villa Park towards the end of the year they would have been relegated we gave them a win and they stayed up off the back of that but since then credit to the team and to Dean Smith they are launching you know an assault on European football potentially for the following season so um, yep Dean Smith's McGay uh, what about you Yanni?
3: I think we think very alike. Mine is also (laughs) Dean Smith. (laughs) Um, Basically because I really didn't see it coming. Uh, I thought Aston Villa were quite terrible last year and were very reliant on Jack Relish. And they're still reliant on him, but also other players who have stepped up. Um, And Dean Smith deserves credit for just this turnaround in playing style and form that um, last year looked an impossibility. Um, And they, they are completely... Desire to be where they are in the league at the moment, which is pushing for a, a European place.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that turns out. Um, Joe?
1: I, it's reluctantly given to him, but it's got to be Jurgen Klopp. He's won Liverpool their first league in ages, the year after the Champions League. And even this season with all their injuries, again, they, they've seemed to put themselves in a position where they're probably favourites to win it. I know they've had a little bit of a wobble recently, but... Yeah, I can't look past Jurgen. What a manager! Just happens to be a bit of
0: a twat. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting fella. Um, Only when he loses. Yeah. Only <laughs> when he loses. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not brilliant, still. But, um, uh, John,
2: uh, I'm going to agree with Joe. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, for me, like you know, his uh, seeds have grown and they're ripe for harvest. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> love that. That's all I... <laughs> <laughs> and that's all yeah. I'm going
2: to say about that. And he is a uh, gardening well.
0: analogy. All right. Love it. Um, young player of the year. I would be surprised if potentially all of us don't have the same answer. It's got to be Erling Haaland. And uh, surely it's got to be Erling Haaland. Uh, moving on from my pick to Yanni's pick.
3: Well, I, I, I think he's probably the best young player in the world. Uh, but mine is just more personal. I've gone with Bukayo Saka. Um, And this might be, you know, very informed by um, what's recently happened in Arsenal. Uh, But I think for a player to stand out and take responsibility um, and lead in the way that he has led um, at a time where the team is struggling, the club is struggling and many more senior players um, are not showing an iota of the desire or character that he has shown is very impressive. Um, And the sign of someone who is destined for the top. And I hope that's at Arsenal. Um, But it's Saka for me this year. And he's shown it throughout the year as well, not just the last couple of games.
0: Yeah, the guy's silky. He uses class. We did get him on a contract uh, not too long ago. So hopefully we can tie him down to another one and another one and another one eventually. And he'll just stay with us forever because he is
1: brilliant. And Gareth Seithgate has realized that as well recently. Um, Joe? Yeah, my, my answer comes from the Bundesliga, but it's not Haaland, even though it probably should be. Um, it's Alfonso Davis. I absolutely love watching him play. He's Canadian, which is just quite cool because how often does a young Canadian star happen? Never. Uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah, that's true. And <laughs> <laughs> Drake. A Everyone, Everyone
2: forgets Drake. Drake. He's Drake a great,
1: yeah. great TikTok account, too. But no, in all seriousness, I just love watching him play. And yeah, well, I thought Alfonso deserved the nod.
0: Yeah, it's scary to think potentially how good he might be one day. And he's already, yeah, in terms of athletic ability, kind of above and beyond anything else out there. Um, John, youngster.
2: Yeah, I'm agreeing with Yoni there. Bukayo Saka, uh, little, little Chili, as I believe he's called. Um, yeah, just a brilliant player. And just everything that Yoni said, just well, okay.
0: I guess whether or not we all agreed, one thing that we did have in common was that apparently whoever the best young player of the year is, he's a lefty. Which is quite oh, weird. Yeah. That all three of those players are left-footed. Maybe there's something it's like a gen a Gen Z thing. Um,
1: left-footed players are always the best. I can, I can
0: Yeah. Know. Yeah, pretty much. Messi Robin <laughs> history has, yeah, foretold. Most improved league of the year is a bit of an obscure one, but I think that um Kind of traditionally you know people have their ideas of what the best leagues are and i think that they're slightly shifting and maybe some have lost credibility and some have regained credibility for me personally this has been the year of Serie A. um some of those clubs have kind of stepped up for instance atalanta even a club like lazio and then of course inter milan and ac milan are kind of like knocking at the door again uh, once upon a time, they were kind of the big boys, and they're trying to sort of, yeah, knock Juventus off their perch. Which this season it looks like might actually happen. So for me, the most improved league is Serie A. Which league was most improved for you, Yanni? Well,
3: I'm I'm almost tempted to go for the Norwegian league, given what Joe has <laughs> just told us. Uh, I had no idea. Um, I also went for Serie A uh, for all the reasons you said. Uh, yeah, Juventus making very strange decisions and a combination of that with other teams genuinely improving and being very smart in their recruitment. Um, last season, we had probably the closest title challenge, at least f- involving the most teams who could potentially win it um, for a while there. Uh, and this season, as you said, Milan, uh, quite a few points above Juventus now. Um, Lazio are going strong. Uh, it's, it's very exciting.
0: Yeah, hopefully, well, I don't want to upset people from Turin, but yeah, maybe we'll actually see a winner that's not Juventus this year. Uh, Joe, best
1: yeah. or most improved league? I wish I'd gone for the Norwegian league, but I've gone for Syria as well. Um, yeah, no, for, for all the reasons you said, it's finally an exciting league. Also, we had our, our guest, Matt Sant angelo who's an AC Milan fan. They've been brilliant. Zlatan's been brilliant. They got the Norwegian guy, Haug. Um, and... <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that Serie A's back, hopefully. It's, it's a force again, we'll see.
0: Yeah, I think probably since the whole match-fixing stuff, it's been a bit rubbish, and um, which is a shame, because it was arguably maybe even the best before that, in some ways. You look at AC Milan and Juventus getting to all those Champions League finals in the early 2000s. And, um, the
1: most yeah. classy, for sure. Um, yeah,
0: we'll see. It's on its way back. John?
2: Yeah, sorry guys, it's gonna have to be Syria. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, it is exciting. I've I've been paying attention to it for once. You know, Inter Milan and AC Milan have been brilliant. I've I've loved the Inter Milan team, seeing all the ex Premier League players show up there. It's just quite interesting (laughs) to see how they're doing. Like Nicotarian as well, just tearing it up at um, Roma.
0: Yeah, Chris Smalling, Chris Smalling as well. Yeah, or Pedro, oh, it's right. it's Ashley Young, to watch. even Victor yeah. Moses. I don't know if he's there right now, but he made it over yeah. to Inter Milan a, for a minute.
1: Uh, yeah, a yeah. oh
0: goodness. Yeah. Um,
2: is he still at Chelsea? Yeah, Moses.
1: I think he is. But he's flown yeah. wow. somewhere else. But yeah, yeah, Victor.
0: So, well, fair enough. So yeah, Syria. All right. Well, that's the first clean sweep. Um, so Syria is the definitive answer. Moving on to Villain of the Year, and uh, for me, it's Unai Emery uh, because. <laughs> 2019 he left us in the fucking shit and 2020 pops up at Villarreal and is doing a good job somehow I think he took them on like one of their longest unbeaten runs they're in like European contention um he didn't have a huge amount of money to work with less than he had at Arsenal and managed to screw that up um so yeah fuck that guy Unai Emery is the villain of 2020 um Yanni
3: wow Unai Emery um I've, so I've gone with the broadcasters and the clubs who supported the decision to charge. Was it fourteen ninety five more than that?
0: Project, for, what was it, yeah.
3: Project, not free TV. Um, yeah. it's, it was just, I, like, it shouldn't have been surprising and probably wasn't surprising, but it just completely displayed the sort of contempt that broadcasters and clubs have for fans charging fans who, you know, more than any other time might be financially struggling, um, even more to watch their teams play uh, on top of the like huge subscription packages that they already pay for. It was was just showed a lack of uh, social awareness of class, um, of recognition for the contribution that's already made uh, for supporting those institutions as they are. and although they reversed it, um, I don't think, and I hope that people won't forget um, that this is a decision that clubs and TV companies came to as a way of maximizing revenue for themselves and only themselves. Yeah. Also, I just looked it up and Victor Moses is on loan at Spartak,
2: Moscow. So,
3: you
0: Oh, okay. That's quite a fun one. Just living well, in Moscow. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, a,
2: what a life, eh? Yeah. <laughs>
0: i think uh joe it's gonna be yeah your turn uh for what we're talking about and i can't even remember right now villain, villain of the year <laughs>
1: I've, I've gone for a guy he probably will appreciate me giving him this award and it's got to be my manager jose Mourinho. he um he <laughs> seems to still be riling people up he's given us a bit of hope even though it's not been so good recently and as i think was mentioned earlier he's randomly a bit of a thing on instagram now and pissing people off there too and being quite funny but um yeah, Jose's my man, and he's also my villain
0: of the year. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what the political landscape of Portugal is, but you wouldn't—you've got surely, surely one one of these days, his name's going to be in a conversation for like president or something.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll see, uh, John. Villain.
2: Uh, for me, it would all, it would be the broadcasters, but it would also be the top six actually. Top six when they tried to create a completely different league and basically try and take over English football and say, we'll dole out the money, et cetera, and take all the power and everything. I think that was so disgraceful and trying to take advantage of clubs in a time where, you know, everyone's suffering. Uh So, yeah, there you go. Are we are still part man. of that Big Hate Six those guys. conversation? Or no, we're, they... we're, we're, we're 14th. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. The Big Six is
3: just the Big Six in the league at any given time. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah. yeah conve- okay. conveniently, we
0: yeah, currently aren't part of that Big Six, so we no. can yeah remove ourselves from that equation. But okay, the Big Six um, are the villain of 2020. So this is uh, the 10th category, underrated player of the year. And... I was, you know, thinking, you know, this could be a controversial one. I could like lean lean in on something that's going to cause some some debate, but I just had to go with Lukaku, because the guy is just criminally underrated, uh, and has had a really really impressive uh, first and continuing into his second season in Serie A for Inter Milan, and has almost single handedly put them in contention for trophies. They were in the Europa League final last season. I think he scored and scored an own goal, sadly for him. But the guy's, like I said, criminally underrated. Yeah, Lukaku's the guy. Um, What about for you, Yanni? Um, I'm
3: I'm not saying he's, you know, the best midfielder in the world or anything like that. Uh, But I think Fred or Fredgy, as I think Brazilians pronounce it for Manchester United, Uh, is quite underrated, partly because of his price tag and partly because he had like a a difficult start or maybe people were expecting something more from him when he arrived in England. But I think if you look at United's um, upturn in trajectory since really the football came back um, in June uh, or whenever it was, uh, he's been quite, especially in the early stage, quite integral to that. I think he's, whenever I watch him, I think he's quite a good player um, and is a good player in a side that has more bigger stars than him um and keeps like te- technically uh provides a good platform for a team like united um and i think people kind of uh underrate him for what he isn't rather than what he is uh which is a player who can play in a very good side and fit in pretty seamlessly um the P- the red card against psg was bad and stupid um but again i think people look to th- moments like that to sort of color or confirm their own pre-existing opinions about him
0: i have a soft spot for fred because on one of the football managers when he was on Shakhtar, i used to sign him and he was brilliant for me i honestly have not seen enough of him play because i was quite surprised when you said that yoni um i'm probably one of those people that falls into the trap of seeing maybe what the media have portrayed about him as opposed to actually watching his game over maybe 90 minutes or so. Um, Cause yeah, I don't rate him, <laughs> but um, let's see what Joe has to say for this guy.
1: I've gone for a guy who I think is rated to some extent, but I think he's actually taken his game to a new level and deserves a, a move to a higher team, maybe even Tottenham if he's lucky. Um, and that's James Ward-Prowse. I think he's the best set piece taker in the Premier League. I think he's a, integral part of a really good Southampton team managed by Hassan Hütel. And yeah, I just think he's sort of approaching the prime of his career now. And in fairness to James, he's um, he has taken a leap. And I, I would love to have him at Tottenham and he's my player.
0: You heard it here. James Ward-Prowse to Spurs. Um, John, for your underrated player of 2020
2: i'm gonna say well he might be rated but i don't think he's he gets enough respect in the game and that is tammy abraham okay when he went on loan to swansea he didn't really have a great time in the premier league to be honest everyone had doubts about him leading the line at chelsea but, you know, he's still there. He's still leading the line. He's got one less goal than Marcus Rashford this season. I've looked it up, did my homework. <laughs> and, you know, people don't give him, uh, you know, people are still going, start Giroud instead, start Giroud instead. Giroud's a great player, but he's not the future. And Tammy Abraham's certainly one to watch. So people should put respect on respect on his name.
0: There, there you go, Tammy Abraham, who I think has a younger brother called Timmy Abraham. Uh, and indeed. also
1: one called tommy i think
0: oh and tommy no it's way. like the Neville's yeah, all over again
1: be, i think that might be a thing i think there's timmy tammy tommy timmy, tammy tommy
0: and uh yeah maybe if there's any daughters in the abraham family you can apply some more t names um <laughs> anyway uh moving on from this kind of yeah 2020 wrap-up um award ceremony to uh, a wrap-up of the actual year itself which i think joe is gonna gonna handle for us so take it away
1: yeah well for the last time in 2020 there we have it god weird to say uh, i mean when we record obviously it's going to be 2021 when you're listening but um a big thank you to my co-host Kaitel um as well as our trusty pals John and Jonny um it's been a it's been a great year of podding um podcasting and hopefully um we'll be back um, next year as well to keep keep the the good times flowing but um make sure if you're not already follow us on our social media accounts it would mean a lot to us so that's at UnitedMatesFP and that applies to Instagram, Twitter and we're still on Facebook, we're still rocking the Facebook too Um remember as well we're on YouTube you might even be watching us on YouTube right now and that's um, united mates football podcast give us a subscribe as well i'd like to do the click button thing but i don't think we're we've got there yet in terms of our technology with that um but i could go on for a bit but i think all that's left to say is um we wish everybody a happy new year and um yeah goodbye for now everybody hi Hi everybody Happy
0: happy new year happy new year